Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I don't know about iReview, but I think I think it's an utter joy that we finally have the chance to talk about the greatest game of rugby that's ever been played. <laughs> the most important game of rugby in, I would say, in Rugby World Cup's history. I think this is the most significant game of rugby that kicked off on the 29th of September 2007 at 1pm French time. Yeah, I'd agree. And I would say that after this happened, William Webb Ellis was so grateful he went and picked up that ball and ran with it. So he is actually buried not too far away from here. You know, he's actually buried like 40 minutes down the road from Stadium de Luz, where this, this took, game took place. I assume purely so he can be close to this when yeah, this game he, took place. He had a ticket. The he'd put in place. He had a yeah. ticket. Sadly, he's, he'd been dead for several decades before it happened. So they just thought, right, we'll bury you near to where this game is going to eventually take place. It's a real crying shame. Though what isn't a shame is I'm absolutely delighted to be joined once again by the one, the only, Mr. Jamie Wall. How are you doing? Hello, guys. It's awesome to be back and talking with you. And like you, I am so fired up about this incredibly important game that's really <laughs> gone down in all black history as one of the most key moments. Even non-rugby people in New Zealand talk about. They know all about this. So, yeah, I'm just so fired up. I know this game off by heart. So, yeah, I, I just can't wait <laughs> Yeah, of course, Jamie, you are our most joint with Rhiannon Goth Jones. You are our, our most frequently returning guest. You're somebody who every time we have you on, you think, oh, yeah, can't wait to have him back on already. You're essentially like a co-host of the podcast. That's how often we have you back. And uh, the reason why we keep having you back is not only because, you know, we think you're a great guest for this, but also your knowledge and your, your breadth of knowledge of the All Blacks and just the Rugby World Cup and rugby in general, like in the wider context of the world, right, is, is just fantastic, I'd say. I think it says so much about this game that when I sent it to you, you said, I do not remember that the All Blacks played Romania in 2007. <laughs> yeah, I guess, yeah, this is where the sort of joking bit ends. But it, I certainly have memories of this World Cup as a New Zealander. Yes. Uh, <laughs> probably, you probably know why. This game is not one of them. It's more about what happens happened a week later but it has been pretty cool to go back over this uh, and kind of rediscover uh, something that I, I definitely did watch at the time mm. because you know like we all got up and watched this world cup because of course for us this was the this was the unlosable world cup for the all blacks and it turned out to be their their worst result ever sorry I did, spoiler alert uh, <laughs> yeah it was it did kind of trigger a lot of things that i remember thinking in the lead up to their quarterfinal and actually that year because I, I'd sort of just it had passed me by just who was in this team what sort of you know the, the way that they, they were playing but yeah it's, it's it's been pretty cool like having a look back at something that I, I legit had, had forgotten about completely. <laughs> Did it ring any bells it... after you watched it? Yeah oh yeah yeah absolutely like I for some reason I had it in my head that this game was played at Twickenham which makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> 
but I it had passed me by again that this is actually this is the last time the All Blacks played Romania, and actually the only mm. time ever. Which I I I thought there'd been more, but yeah, this uh, out of all of the tier two countries, Romania are the are the 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 one that the All Blacks have had the least contact with. Um, oh wow! I th- I, I'm not really sure why because. That the, they should have crossed paths a bit, and at least in the amateur era, a bit more. Mm. But anyway, the, yeah, the, I, mean, I think the feeling going into this uh, this World Cup is that the All Blacks were in a pretty weak pool, um, mm. and that the big fear going in was that they were going to be really underdone by the time they had to play anyone, play any of the the top the top teams, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah, and well, you mentioned top. the history with Romania. So it is, you know, they're going back a long way. So I believe the last time they played before this was 1981, which is a hell of a way back. You're going back 20 plus years there, which was, it's a very famous game in Romanian rugby. I think less so in New Zealand. For the fact they had two tries disallowed, which we've just seen them beat the All Blacks back in that kind of like real vintage Romanian team that beat France, beat Wales, beat Ireland, beat Scotland, who were Grand Slam champions at the time and drew with the junior All Blacks but, you know, couldn't quite kick on and beat the full All Blacks. And then they had to wait another 20-odd years for another go at it, for another chance to to make amends for that. And tell you what, didn't quite go according to plan, but hey, good on them. Yeah, yeah. well, it, it's interesting you mentioned that, that 1981 um, mm. fixture. I actually am kind of more familiar with that, that game mm. than this one, um, because obviously 1981 being such an important year for yeah. rugby in all the wrong wrong ways um and then you know obviously because of the tour with that south africa took uh, apartheid era south africa and then they go off and play romania which at the at the uh, sort of at the same time is another regime that was um <laughs> probably worth, worth protesting against as well so there's sort of interesting bit of symmetry there and um also in the, i don't know if you've had a look at that 1981 team list that played against romania in that mm. game but there are it's the start of a few careers of guys that we talked about the last time um, when we talked about 1987 world cup yeah and so yeah this is all sort of threading and then one at least a couple of them end up on commentary uh for this game so <laughs> yeah so, so there's this connecting all all three all three games quite nicely yeah right there, also, sorry both games and off the field quite nicely got alan wetton referred to exclusively as aj wetton throughout this which i didn't know was a thing that's how i hadn't put that together i was like this yeah. is just a different guy this is another wetton yeah, yeah had him grant a, fox on comms. Yep. yeah i really enjoyed grant fox on the comms by the way i think that he was at any opportunity when romania did something remotely good he was like such a hype man for them and i'm such a fan of that yeah yeah i i because foxy's been a selector for mm. most of the last decade he hasn't been doing any commentary and he's he's retired from that role now and so hopefully he can get back into because i really rated him as a commentator mm. well i interesting that the version you sent me was the new zealand free-to-wear ah. version so this this game this wasn't actually shown live that like this this commentary this was the delayed version for that would have been shown in the morning when everyone woke up. Oh. And the, live, the live version would have been shown on Sky the night before. So it's the first time I've watched it on with this commentary. And it's really interesting because the lead commentator, uh, Hamish Mackay, was a really bombastic commentator when he started. He he was all catchphrase based. And, 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 and I think the first game that they've played, 
He was all about, you know, giving players nicknames and everything like that. And it's obvious by this game, he's been totally told to tone it down because I thought he was actually pretty stupid <laughs> for this game. And and if you were going to make jokes and, and nicknames and everything, this would be the game to do it. But I thought he did yeah. quite a good job. And I quite, I quite liked, obviously, Fox was really good and AJ was chiming in on the sidelines. So I thought it was actually a pretty good commentary crew. But, but it is interesting to me to hear a New Zealand game not commentated by the usual Sky crew. So... But also, like, the opening title sequence? What the yes, hell? what's that? What is that? <laughs> when that first came up, I was mind-blown. Firstly, by the fact that we're, like, 35 games in here. It's like, oh, it's a new title sequence. Something I've like, not seen this before. So, to set the scene, I've, I've written a few, a few notes about this. So, the I first thing you- that I noticed is that they show, from behind, a Scott Robertson lookalike watching clips of the 1987 Rugby World Cup and the All Blacks storming so the these, title. They start with like a, the outside of like a deserted cinema with the words like New Zealand versus Romania yes, plastered yes. on the marquee, which is why no one's going. Why the cinema industry is dead. Like, it's not bloody Top Gun, is it? Like, <laughs> it's not bringing in the big box office numbers. That's why there's one guy in there. You've got, yeah, Scott Robertson Jr. Yeah. Hanging around. Scott Robertson's stunt double. Yeah. It's just there, like, candidly watching the 1987 All Blacks. And the thing is, it's we've talked about this in the 2011 series, but it, it's so stark, like, the whole narrative of, like, oh, yeah, it's got to be the All Blacks one mm. to win this time, being the narrative of every single World Cup since 1987 at that point, and them, you know, them choking every single time, that with it being the 87 team that he's watching back, like... There's no clips of Joan Lomo on there, you know, being no. like maybe the greatest rugby player ever in Rugby World Cups. It was all the 1987 team. And then drums up the intro to the classic Muse hit, Hysteria, which is very of its time. And then there's highlights of the All Blacks Italy game from earlier in the tournament. Play over the top of that. Which... But played at like really extreme angles, like really yeah. close to like Jerry Collins' thighs. Yeah. It was a bizarre intro because clearly that was cobbled together just it's... for this game. Like they didn't even show highlights of the but Scotland this... game, the last game they played. Not like a lead-in where like Scott Robson's stunt double is watching that footage as well. They just cut from one to the other and the music drops. Like it's it's like some weird sort of like abstract expressionist cinema where you're supposed to like put together stuff in your mind based on the contrast of images. It's this like really odd intro that you can see what they're going for. And either they've got someone who is too arty for their own good in charge, or they ran out of time, money, and resources. I'm going to say it was a bit of both. (laughs) Yeah. I will add that. I've uh, just checked. Hysteria by Muse came out three years before that. So that's a very quick transition to get to New Zealand. Uh, You know, yeah, you're right. You're right. I was going to say that that, that's about, that's about what the the schedule that we were getting stuff back then. (laughs) (laughs) So on this video, I've gone We've just gone over, and we don't regularly do this, but I've had a look at some of the comments on YouTube that mm. surround this game. So there's one where somebody said, I didn't realise Romania even had a rugby history at all until today. Even though this game was played a few years ago, it's what's led me here to watch it. Which, you know, yeah. is very telling of the whole thing you were saying about Romania's downfall and yeah. um, the gap that's opened up since the last time they played New Zealand. There's a comment obviously saying RIP Jerry Collins with him being mm. captain in this game. There's a, a great comment that says, this has to be the worst rugby referee in the history. How many calls <laughs> uh, didn't call for coming to the side of the ruck? Oh, I love that they win 85-8. But, 
And this guy's still complaining about the referee. <laughs> and finally, my favourite comment of the lot comes from at Robinson 7118 And he says, Romania should have won this. New Zealand just fluked it. Seven likes. <laughs> yeah. I think he's onto something. Yeah. I'm Another couple of disallowed tries, you know. Maybe we'd be somewhere. Yeah. It's interesting as well, because we'll we'll get properly into the game in a little bit. Mm. But that comment about the ref is particularly funny, because I do think... We've all heard about the, the phrase of refereeing with an empathy for the game. However, Joel Juch, the referee on this game, I think refereed with a sympathy rather than an empathy. I, I have the same <laughs> thing written down. Yeah. He's not sympathy repping two and a half minutes in. Because <laughs> we'll get to it. But New Zealand scored the first try of the game 38 seconds in. And then suddenly, like, the next thing that happens is a David Tonyitsa drops a ball, like, <laughs> yeah. in plain sight, and she goes, yeah, that's fine. I don't care. I yeah. It's like, the definition of sympathy refereeing. We're two minutes in, and he's already like, oh, it's going to be a tough day for you, lads. <laughs> you know, I'll let you have this one. There's also a bit of uh, sympathetic commentary as well, because, like, that massive knock-on that you just, you just <laughs> yeah. mentioned couldn't have been more clearer, really. Like, they didn't even... Talk about it, they just said, Oh, he's dropped it. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> must be backwards. You know, that try that Andy Ellis gets disallowed for a forward pass, mm. which yes. like very clearly is Joel Juch trying to even up the game because <laughs> yep. it doesn't go like anywhere near forward, it's just a regular pass on a line break. And the commentators, like Grant Fox in particular, is like, oh, you know what? Fair call. Great positioning by there by the ref. And it's like, <laughs> you're going to win by 80 points. I suppose <laughs> you pick your battles to complain about the ref, don't you? Yeah. It is the only time, actually, we see any New Zealand backlash to a forward pass decision in this World Cup <laughs> against a European team. Oh, here um, we go. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Um <laughs> It's just, I think it's funny as well coming for Joel Jutka, who goes on to become the head of refereeing at World Rugby, in which he runs it as like this full metal jacket operation, where he's incredibly like iron clawed over everything, and everyone must penalise literally everything. And here he's just being a bit like, no, have a bit of Jue, lads. Go on, Romania. Even it up, guys. Even it up. You know, I'll give you a little nudge in the scrum. I'll help push if you like. There, there is a kind of feeling of this, like around the refereeing, where the because what what you said about empathetic towards mm. the game and maybe just leading a big and and it's something we the last game we talked about, which was the eighty seven game mm. uh, between Fiji and the All Blacks, where there was that was pretty much the, from the way it went from word go, is that there is still a bit of this in, in yeah. two thousand seven, and and it is because I'm I'm fascinated by like when amateur rugby, I guess you could say, finished. Yeah, and rugby fully took over, and I think this was the last of it. I think, I think this so. was the last, the, definitely the last World Cup where you could get away with just being like, "Oh, this, you know, this is a horrible mismatch." So I'm just gonna not call some stuff, and and for everyone to be like, "Oh, okay, you know, <laughs> okay with it." But it's it's obvious that whoever commented that the ref was terrible here is doing it from these days. Yeah, looking back yeah. at it, which is one of rugby's biggest biggest issues that that you have these circular narratives about how referees are terrible because you're look people who are criticizing them are looking at it through the lens of back when they used to like Mm. be full of rugby so i think that this is this is a i think this is about yeah where the cutoff is where a ref could do this and and for everyone to be like oh okay (laughs) i mean i think actually it ended a week later (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> because you can't, you know, that that call, well, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> We'll have to get you on the line for that quarterfinal. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) But I think there is something, though. Like, the standard of refereeing nowadays is absurdly high, and referees are held to such an absurd standard that when you go back and look at games from 2011 as well, but, like, particularly this World Cup, so much has let go, and people weren't complaining as much. And now referees are held to such a high standard because they've reached such a high standard and the whole game, things become like a, a, a circle that just won't square itself. It just won't impossible run. to referee. Yeah, recently, it know, doesn't work. So like, many rules. So many yeah. laws. Shut up. Hey, I need that on a t-shirt. <laughs> Did you know rugby doesn't have rules? It has gentlemen's games played by hooligans. And but it's different, guys. It's different. Rugby's different. Uh, values, yeah. you know? Values. It's just, values. So... Respect, camaraderie, honor. Lou Diago. <laughs> if you know, you know. Sorry, sir. So... <laughs> so, New Zealand, they pick some rugby players. Jerry Collins gets the captaincy again, which I was delighted by. He captained them against Portugal as well. Runs out again with the armband. Once again, delight to see him at the front of the lineup because no one with that hair should be captain. <laughs> Apart from Jerry. Apart Jerry's from Jerry. One, one exception. It's always great to see Jerry Collins. Obviously, we're all big fans of him, I think. Um, every single time I've watched an All Blacks game for this World Cup, when my mum's like come into the room and heard Jerry Collins' name on commentary, she always retells the same story about when we were in Leeds and we saw him yes. with, with the hat. And just good lad. Yeah, so I I was the same year as Jerry at school. Uh, oh, wow. He went, he went to a different school than I did. Um, the, the two big rugby schools in Wellington, Wellington College and St. Pat's, and he went to he went to St. Pat's, and we were, we were in the same year. So I wasn't in anywhere near his uh, level of playing. He was in the first 15, but I got to watch him play at schoolboy level, and wow. it was pretty obvious then on that he was going to go on to – be something really big and the famous story is that he one year out of school he went to play senior men's club rugby at a very mm. established club called North's which is TJ Perenara's uh-huh. uh, club now a very successful club and at 17 years old they made him captain of the men's premier no. side and by the end of that year he was playing for Wellington and it was all wow. just like, it's just a matter of time before he makes the All Blacks. Unfortunately, he broke his leg in the NPC that year. Could have gone for the leg. But a year, I think it was like a couple of years later after he'd healed up, he was in the All Blacks. So it's it's quite, because it's, it's a guy I haven't really thought of a lot, but it just sort mm. of struck me that he's, he's just no longer with us. He's been passed away for quite a while now. Um, yeah, eight years. Eight years, so, so yeah, it was uh, just seeing him. I, I completely passed me by that he captained the All Blacks. It's obviously the third time they've done it. So but it was cool to see him, you know, because he was a big part of like growing up in, in Wellington. Like everyone knew who he was. He yeah. was the big superstar, like uh, growing up in Wellington. So it's cool yeah. to see him. Um, and same with Tony Lawaki, no longer with us, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. It's it's, it's crazy that. Yeah, it's crazy that both of the both of the guys who played pretty big roles in this game are no longer yeah. with us. So, you know, it's just. But poignant, but you know, yeah, cool, Larky cool was quietly game. excellent in this game, mm. yeah, yeah um, absolutely. and a very, very good player. Actually, as this World Cup's gone on, kind of, I think it was somebody I underappreciated at the time, but 
seriously good carrier and like aggressive physical back row forward. Like definitely you see his value. And he's one of those players that kind of dropped off a bit as his career went on. And I think got largely forgotten for it. And, but it was largely down to the health issues that eventually, you know, his heart and kidney problems that obviously went on to cost his life tragically. And it really makes you wonder what could have been, you know, I think his career was so affected by it as well as obviously his life beyond it. It's such a shame because you see in this game how good he could be when he got, you know, a clear run and was fully fit. Yeah. You know, he only got sort of three years with the All Blacks, 17 caps, but there could have been so much more. Yeah. Yeah. I think some of the more notable other selections in the pack as well. So you've got Greg Somerville coming in at prop. Mm. Saying about like, players who are when does the amateur era end greg somerville is such an amateur era prop just his yep. name greg somerville like that guy shouldn't be a professional he he's just walked off a farm in canterbury somewhere and just brought his boots and he's taken off his swan drive and, and his gum boots and like he's running out on the field like that that's exactly how i how i view greg somerville as well yeah <laughs> previous obviously frankson holds the record previous record holder for most games of the All Blacks without scoring a try went 42 games without scoring. That is his kind of claim to fame, I guess. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong. No. With that. But yeah, no, in the row, I think uh, the Ruben Thorne and Keith Robinson yeah. together. Yeah, that's a blast from the past. <laughs> that, 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 <laughs> yeah. That I mean, first off, Ruben Thorne playing lockers, like, I, I don't remember that at all. Like, I can't mm-hmm. remember playing against the lock. But Keith Robinson, man, that was, yeah, he. He's a weird one because he was kind of like the prototype Brad Thorne. Like, mm. as, a, as an everyone just looked at him and was like, this guy's really big and mean. He's going to do heaps of stuff. I feel like looking back now, he was pretty overrated um, <laughs> in terms of being a player. He's a pretty limited. He, I, I remember him being injured all the time. Yeah, he's another player which I, as soon as he stopped playing, I haven't really thought about him at all because after this, the this was an period where the, the All Blacks were really going through a lot of locks trying to find the next kind of combination and mm. it actually they didn't really find it until they had Sam Whitelock and Brody Retellick yeah. who, are, who are still playing so yeah that just goes to show what the sort of the situation was um, back then yeah I think Keith Robinson is like I knew that there was an all black lock called Keith Robinson from the mid noughties I know nothing else about him I think that's probably as it should be yes yeah. He, 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 just, after... he just looked. He looked like a. He looked like a, a bouncer outside a nightclub, and everyone kind of just said, and they still do. Was just like, oh yeah, he was a big, tough, hard man, a big, tough, hard man whose like knee would blow out every two weeks. So yeah, I believe this is his. Oh no, sorry, no. This is penultimate game for the All Blacks. Right. Uh, goes on to retire after this World Cup. So yeah, it does play in the quarterfinal. But yeah, you know what? What a he's not, uh, he's career? There question mark? There's, a few, there's a few more. There's there's a few guys on this list that fit into that category as well. Mm. That played mm. their last game in a in a, in a silver shirt or grey shirt. <laughs> yes, yes. The one they all dreamt of wearing. Mm. I would Don't also like to add on this All Blacks team, like they have just gone full party in the back line, 
And mm. I, just, I think it's rare that you see that from the All Blacks in this game because yeah, they have this game in every World Cup, don't they? They have somewhere that you go, right, we can just roll whoever we want, pick them in any positions, and we will steamroll them, right? And this time they actually do that rather than deciding they'll do that with 20 minutes left to go. Like We covered the Canada game in 2011 where they ended up with Victor Vito playing on the wing and, you know, Colin Slade playing on the other wing and so on. Like, here they just do it from the start and I'm so here for it. I was hoping when I opened this we were going to see Aaron Morger at 10. Gutted we didn't. Yeah, but... He he did play a test at 10. I can't remember when it was. Though. I think it might have even been a Blues Low Cup game. Oh, wow. But, wow. And he certainly One of those... Like one of those players, like, you know, they come along every so often. Happy Parks was another one who theoretically can play 10, but then you see it, ha- you never see it happen. It's probably for a good reason. And I, I just want to see it once, you know. I haven't seen the, the game you mentioned, and I'd, lo- I'd love to see it once just to see I how really it goes. I really wanted to see Nono at 10. I really want to see I know. Yeah. MLR oh, continues well, to let us down. Yeah, well, you're definitely not going to see it at this World Cup because that was the big storyline going in was that Nono didn't go. And people are still angry about that. Um, really? Yeah, yeah. It was just given what how Nonu's career went on mm. to be one of the greatest players ever, and the fact that he's still playing is, yeah. is, is that he managed to play a hundred tests for the All Blacks despite missing this whole season is incredible, really. But yeah, I just I just so, I remember that now. It's, it's all come back to me. That, that what that was, was the big... story that? Because remember the sort of. A couple of years later, he got dropped again and they brought in Benson. We were talking earlier today as it happens about Benson Stanley, because that is who we are, about him being dropped for Benson Stanley and so on. What was the story in 2007 with Nonu? Uh, gosh, Sorry to put I, you on the spot. I think they were just more on manger. He was mm. he was seen as the guy. Like He'd been there for a few years now, but by that stage, I think that like the case for Nonu being a 12 was really really strong because he was seen at that phase of his career to be the the punch that they needed and then smith would be the stepper mm-hmm. that they needed which is unfortunately a narrative that just perpetuated because people still think that but it was like actually by the time they finished they'd completely swap swap roles yeah mm-hmm. smith was the one hitting the line and, and not was the one doing the steps doing the passes and putting the, the kicking yeah and everything so i think it was just down to manger being seen as the ironically as another option at 10 because the all blacks back then were playing a it was they had to choose between are you going to play two playmakers or are you going to play like a traditional mm. second five center combination and they went with the dual playmakers thing which is why manger was there um also why McAllister was there as well because he yeah. played most of his career at 12 even yeah. though he was a he was a 10 so that was the thinking behind it is they wanted as many like first receivers on the field as possible and, and Nonu wasn't seen that at the time which in actual fact he he, he probably m- was more than capable of uh, at the time and so in the wash-up of this after they came home that was seen as one of the big key issues as to what what the All Blacks were missing in this World Cup and you know like Nonu's career was so long that it had all these ups mm. and downs in it but this was seen as one where it was like yeah he really could have made a difference uh, in this campaign. Wow. Though it's also kind of almost a pivot in his career in that it partly prompted him not to go to rugby league, which he was looking at at the time, supposedly. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was. I think um, people just presumed he was going to, I think one of the NRL teams actually did make him a huge offer. I'm sure mm. that like privately they were after him all along, 
mm-hmm. um, but the whoever at New Zealand Rugby convinced him to to stay because yeah. he would have got some really good money back then. I think he was actually going to go to the Bulldogs to replace Sonny Bill Williams. That was oh, wow. the because that was 2007, I think, was the year that Sonny Bill walked out and, and ended up in Toulon mm. or around about that time. But that was the that that was the thinking around that. But he would have been incredible at rugby league. Don't get me started talking about rugby. You know how much I love rugby league. Like. Oh, me too, man. <laughs> me too. You, you, into, you, into an NRL podcast, but that was very much on the cards at the time. Hmm. Yeah, which would have been a whole other world. You know, who knows where any of the All Blacks or you know various rugby league things go from there it's also I was going to say what you were saying about Luke McAllister because mm. it's probably very telling of like when I started watching but I very much think of him as a 12 rather than a 10 and like obviously mm. I knew that 10 was a position where he did play but like in his days at Toulouse and so on and kind of latter days in Super Rugby I always thought of him as a 12 which is why I looked at this and saw like you were saying about dual playmakers like they've got Nick Evans playing fullback here mm. yeah which it's such a weird sight to me because I think I'd seen him play once is... there for Quinns. The other thing that's interesting when you look at this all black backline, right? In like the very particular age that I think we are, well, mm. in that I look at Luke McAllister and I, my memories of Luke McAllister and playing for Toulouse, my memories of Aaron Mordrum and playing for Leicester, my memories of Nick Evans and playing for Quinns. Isaiah Tuiava yeah. at Claremont, you know. Yeah, yeah. Tuiava and Rock Fogo, I remember playing for the All Blacks, but like sure. I probably watched them more playing for Claremont and then Cast in Tivaratu's case and then. Rocker Vocker played all over France. I think Rassing and Bayonne and sort of, I think somewhere else as well, maybe. But like, I think it's an interesting point in history that like, I remember these players. I remember watching them for the teams they ended up with in Europe rather than necessarily as All Blacks. Almost all of these immediately after this World Cup, they leave to go and play in Europe. Andy Ellis obviously goes on to play for about 800 years, ends in, yeah, in New York. I'm still convinced he's not done. No. I think he is still. Did he not play this year? No. At least here now than he did then he did the same trick that Gitto did the year before where Uh, they won MLR and then he went after the full-time whistle brilliant yeah I'm done (laughs) I'll call it a day I reckon he's been so bored this last six months I know he's gonna want those boots he's gonna turn out for that Barbars team in November this yes you know I'm I'm sure I'm I'm pretty sure he he came back to New Zealand and played a couple of games at club rugby (laughs) of course he did yeah, because he's just one of those guys who's just never going to... He can't gonna get stop. enough of it, can he? He loves yeah. it. For a period of about 10 years, every single invitational team that was named, whether it was a World 15 team, whether it was a Barbars team, had Andy Ellis in yeah, it. Men's like, or just in all 20s, the yeah. lot of them, 7s, 15s, league, they all had Andy Ellis as captain. Yep. That's why I've yeah. always got time for him. Oh, so, I, I, think, I, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find anyone who doesn't like Andy Ellis. He's, yeah. he's one of the more likeable all-legs. He was really good with media as well, apparently. Mm. And he's he still is like he's he's constantly on the radio over here. He never says oh, okay. no to a phone call, and <laughs> he's always willing to chip in with his with his thoughts. So he's still prominent, which is he's managed to, given the relative length of his career, mm. he's managed to leverage his fame pretty pretty well. I think. <laughs> Good lad. Good lad. Good on him. I was going to ask as well, Jamie, before we move on to Romania, which we'll do in a minute. But obviously this, uh, yeah, obviously this All Blacks team is sometimes a bit of a punchline in New Zealand, I think, that, you know, the fact that they they go out in the quarterfinals in such controversial and dramatic fashion in a way that there was so much pressure on them at this point, like an unhealthy amount of pressure on them, probably. But when you watch back something like this, 
are you able to still enjoy it? Or is there something in the back of your mind that kind of makes you cringe at the thought of this All Blacks team? Can you look at this and think like, mm. oh yeah, these are some of my favourite players? Or does it sting in the knowledge of what happens? Um, that's a great question because uh, there are a lot of guys in this team who I'm a big fan of. And it's cool to see it again because like I said, this is a game I haven't even looked at or thought about since it actually happened. And when I watched it, I was probably about... 12 beers deep because I was, it was 2000. <laughs> I was 26 at the time. It was the absolute, probably the high, high watermark of my, my playing career. And it would, this would have been on a Sunday morning in New Zealand and I would have been. Yeah. So out. every game that we've got you on when you were over the legal age of oh, drinking. Oh God. Like an alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. This game would have been Pretty like 2am. I, I wasn't drunk for that, but I, <laughs> no, this was, to back to to your original question, like yeah, I think like looking at this team and going through it and and talking about how you said that a lot of them went off to have very long and distinguished careers playing up in your part of the world, it does make me feel like they were treated pretty unfairly by the New Zealand public at the time. Like yeah, it, it's become like the whole quarterfinal thing was was a was a, a massive shock in New Zealand yeah. and yeah, it elicited a really a huge, huge response um, back here and in a pre-social media era as well. So the whole narrative was driven by, you know, newspapers seeking headlines because if there's one thing about social media, it brings out the worst in fans. It does, Mm. but it also brings out the best. And I think that when the All Blacks have lost on social media, there's all these people asking, you know, saying, you know, he should be sacked and he should be dropped and blah, blah, blah. And especially over the last few years, we've seen it. But also at the same time, when they lose, you'll have a lot of people coming out and saying like, hey, let's just get this in perspective now. You know, like the better team won, the referee Mm. wasn't a piece of shit. Let's just be good people about this. We didn't have that back in 2007. We had had people trying to sell newspapers and (laughs) the backlash was gigantic. And it went on all summer when they were trying to figure out who was going to be coach for the next World Cup cycle, which I think people here have forgotten was was actually way bigger than what's happened with Foster and Robertson happening nowadays. Mm. So, you know, to look at this team again and go like, actually, these guys are really good players. And we've got a couple, obviously a couple of guys who have passed on as well. And it's really important mm. to remember them as the great players they were rather than just being associated with one failed World Cup campaign. And for, for a few of these guys, you know, they obviously got to come back four years later and be part of the you know, the triumph that was 2011. Because I think that when we talked about 2011, the first time we did this podcast, hmm. you know, it's really important, I think, for me to get across just how just how big a deal it was, yeah. you know, for us, like yeah. just as a, as a country. And that the people who didn't like rugby were, were really hooked into this. And I think that this is the absolute depth of the valley for this team. And then to get to the highest point in the mountain, like mm. this is where it all started, and and this game is is you know one week before that happened. So I wouldn't I wouldn't say I'm like completely overstating it by saying that that it did bring up a bit of emotion in me mm. watching this because it, it reminded me of just just how bad things got in New Zealand mm. like in terms of discourse around the All Blacks. But yeah, I mean like looking at this, like you can't watch a game with Sidavini Suvaru and Joe Rokotoko on each wing and not enjoy it though. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. That's been pretty cool. And you know, even guys like Isaiah Toyava, who's a really interesting, interesting story because he was like 
picked for the All Blacks after one NPC game. I don't know if you guys. Knew oh wow! That. Really? He, he like when he got picked, like nobody knew who he was apart from his like mum and dad. And, <laughs> no, seriously, like like it was after one game, and I'm not sure what Graham Henry's thinking was around it. I but he just said like he's this guy who's going to play 80 tests for the All Blacks. Like I think because Toyava was the guy who came in instead of Nonu. That was the I, I think Henry and Nonu maybe just didn't get get along mm. at the time, and that was that was why he got brought in. But yeah, it's 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 you know Chris Marsoi as well, you know being and Nemea Tealada like all Hurricanes guys who I was you know supporting at the at the time. Yeah, I mean this is a cool team, man. And like look at that bench; it's totally stacked. Yeah, there's like this guy called Richie McCaw who comes on. He's quite good actually, but yeah, we'll worry about him later. That thing you mentioned about the discourse and the length of it, right? It's like, you know, I remember when um, England got knocked out in 2015 and there was a lot of kind of backlash and everything, you know, around that. But the thing was, right, the World Cup then finished, the World Cup continues and the Premiership season starts the next week, right? So kind of, I think the English rugby media in many ways moved on and moved on from the headhunt for Stuart Lancaster at the time. You look at this, right? So the All Blacks get knocked out of this World Cup, spoilers, on the 6th of October, 2007, the following Super Rugby season doesn't start until the 15th of February the following year. Mm. So you're looking at basically four straight months of that only that being the full conversation. You have yep. two more weeks of like other games on, you know, the World yeah. Cup final and so on. But And that's why it's so important that the All Blacks win their last game of the year. Yeah. And they didn't do that last year. And if you remember that game at Twickenham where they blew it in that last 10 minutes. Mm. And because of that 10 minutes where England came back and made it a 25-all draw. That's why we've had to have this whole conversation about Scott Robertson now being named coach and everything like yeah. that. Like, if they just won that game, if they just closed that game out, none of that crap would have been would have happened. It would just yeah. be a normal, like, year. And because they've won their, you know, they would have won their last sort of, I think, eight games in a row. And they would have, you know, because I've comfortably won their first two games a season. Everyone would be feeling so different about it. But because it was that last game of the year, because we had a whole summer, of sitting at cricket games and talking about how much the, the All Blacks have <laughs> fucked them up. That's what shapes the shapes the narrative. And I think it's yeah. quite unique for this part of the world. Yeah. It's really interesting. It kind of ties into the whole like ideas of a global season would change things. To look at the Romania team a bit. Yes. There was some, I guess, controversy in their game against Portugal that Romania had rested their two best players in Marius Tinku and Soren Sokol, the two kind of most experienced, most champion players for the most kind of storied careers. No such excuses this time. Romania have gone for their strongest possible lineup, which is slightly concerning when you see the first minute of the game. <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah, Sokol and Tinku, as you say, are probably the two standout names in there. Uh, Bogdan Balan, I think, has been brilliant at loose head throughout this mm. tournament. Gontaniak at 12 continues. Yeah, I think Gontaniak makes a really good account for himself. Too. I think he does. I think he does. Yeah. I'm not going to say, like, he Tusk was great. Because no, 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 it's no. a very difficult challenge. But as you yes. say, like, I think he I, I think he comes out with some credit in the bank. Yes. And I think I'll give you the most interesting selection is that they give a debut to Stefan Cintu on the wing, who's mm. going... Uh, I don't know if we talked about him, but he went to the 2011 tournament. Like, yeah. he's not somebody I remember particularly well for Romania, but he's he's a name who I kind of remember. So they pick him on one wing and they bring in um, Gabriel Brezonu on the left wing. I really enjoy his contribution to this game because for the first sort of 20 minutes, 
after that point when Joe Rokothoko has like barely touched the ball, right? Mm. Um, he's the ball's not really coming Rokothoko's way, and so Brizonyu is kind of looking at this thinking like, I've got him, I've got him contained. Rokothoko is not even getting past me here, and then clearly he's just really committed for the first like fifty minutes to just doing anything to make sure Rokothoko doesn't score. So like, if Nick Evans has the ball, it's like, yeah, just run through, pal. You can score. Don't worry <laughs> about it. Or if there's a fullback that's going to cover and Rokothoko might pass the ball, it's fine. You can let him pass. And just he had such a sheer commitment to anyone else on the team can score as long as I contain Rokothoko for as long as I can. And I love the commitment. Absolutely. This is his last game for Mania, Rosonio, okay. who having played, won his first cap in 96, played in three World Cups, 99, 2003, 2007, 71 appearances, 28 tries, and one conversion, which I want to know the story of. But yes, really, really solid career. Had a spell of Racing in France before this, where he was directly beforehand, as well as Bordeaux and Dax in France. Like, had a really solid career as a winger, and was, yeah, I think second top try scorer for Romania as he retired. Obviously then falls behind Ferku, who's wins his first cap just before this World Cup, but doesn't go. So yeah, like, solid career, Kudos to him. Other name worth mentioning, I've added to uh, Tonita, who obviously, familiar face with the All Blacks because he's very much the Romanian John Eels. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's just, I say a str- it's a strong Romanian lineup, all being relative. Yeah, and they're obviously all knackered at this point because this game, I assume, is only a few days after the Portugal game, which they scrapped to. And I'll tell you what, it's playing against Four days Portugal, later. Four yeah. days later, yeah. Playing and it's, this all-black team whilst knackered is not the one. So, like, Roman Gonteniak's, like, 36, and he's playing two games in four days, one yeah. of which is against the all-blacks. Yeah. Good, good luck to you. Good luck to you, son. You know? Fair play Tough to you. Gig. Tough gig. Also, we briefly kind of touched upon it, but this game being played in Toulouse, and mm. that is... It's such a great ground for this. Like, the atmosphere is fantastic. And it's always a thing that happens at World Cups when... People are in parts of the world where they don't get to go and see the All Blacks very often and give them such a reception when they come on. And, you know, when they sing God Defend New Zealand and they, they perform the hacker and everything. And like when Richie McCaw comes on in the second half, the pure reception in the crowd for mm. the fact that they're watching Richie McCaw come onto the field is like next level. It's amazing already by this point in his career to say, you know, we're maybe halfway through, if that, McCaw's career. He's got kinda, two World Cups to win, yeah. Yeah, the kind of legacy and aura he already has around him, that he's already this like world-renowned, like iconic figure. Yeah, so so far in advance of like the thing he becomes famous for, which is winning two World Cups back to back. Which is yeah, I mean it, it's it's also that's how he was how he was viewed in New Zealand as well, which is actually kind of unusual that a guy managed to ascend to that level mm. after. I mean, he, I mean, he'd been in the All Blacks for six years, I guess, by that stage. And I think just after that Lions tour in 2005, you know, where he made he he made his name and 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 Carter made the name. It was like yeah. by this stage, it was like these two guys are going to be the ones who are going to win every World Cup for us from now on. And it yeah. didn't actually pan out as uh, the as the way it planned. Obviously, with this World Cup, but also the next couple of years were quite difficult for the All Blacks. So for McCaw to still have that aura about him um, really says something about just how good a player he was. And yeah, I mean, the fact that he played for another eight years uh, mm. still at that standard. Um, I mean, we could 
crap on about how great Richie McCaw is forever, but like it's yeah, it it does say a lot that yeah, you're right that he got such a big reception when he when he ran on. Yeah, the last thing I kind of want to mention before kickoff is when Romania do the anthem. There is one guy, and I don't know who it is. But in all of Romania's games in this World Cup, there's one guy who's winked at the camera every time they've done their national anthem. And I don't know <laughs> who it is, but I love it. And I want to give him a Man of the Match award. Or like, I will prematurely say, for the Romanian leaving party, he is my hero for Romania. Uh, for just taking his opportunities and winking at the camera. Absolutely. And also, so Romeo Gunteniak, this is his last competitive game for Romania. He plays against the Emerging Springboks the year after this. But this is kind of his swan song, and he mm. is in floods of tears at the anthem. Yeah. Like, he is not holding it together very well at all. Bogdan Speak- Balan also has a tear going down his face. Like, Yeah, no, speaking of kind of legends, uh, you know, this is his fourth World Cup. He goes, I'm um, 95 first goes on to coach them in 2011 as a backs coach. And his son is in the current team. His son is playing 12 for Romania at the minute. His son's a baller, man. He's he's properly class. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's class against like Poland and Belgium. (laughs) Yeah, this is the thing, right? I've seen him be like utterly unplayable. And you're like, well, how good is the Polish defence really? Yeah. Is he going to be able to do this against Ireland and the Springboks? We'll find out in the World Cup just how good he is, but... From all of the games that he's played so far, which admittedly mm. are not against the strongest opposition, he looks unreal. I went to check this as well. I just want to mention this because I did look this up. I went to check if this is one of like the only game Richie McCaw came off the bench. It isn't. He came off the bench seven times for the All Blacks. You know, Considering he played 148 times, it's, it's, it's yeah. still a very rare event. It is. So, you know, you can tick that one off the bucket list. See one of the seven. Collect his item. Indeed, indeed. But so, um, yeah, we've been putting it off long enough. Like we have avoided talking about it for longer than Romania can in seconds. Yeah. With stand, I was going to say we've we're forty five minutes into this podcast and the score is still nil nil. Like we're forty five <laughs> minutes into the podcast. It didn't take the All Blacks that many seconds to score. <laughs> yeah, thirty six seconds as previously stated. Sitivani uh, Sivavatu already scores and. It makes you realise... It's an incredibly slick, impressive try out their own 22 as well. Like, it's a fantastic try. I think it kind of says everything about the way this game, particularly the first half, goes. Yeah. That it is two minutes 18 before Romania make the first tackle, but two minutes 53 before they have the ball for the first time. Like, Well, that's that's a lot shorter than it took the Springboks to get their hands on the ball last weekend. I'll give them that. But <laughs> they, it was one of those ones where, you know, you see them crying at the anthem and everything, and you think, like, this is the – for these guys, it's probably the highlight of their careers. Mm. Standing there, watch the hucker, you know, just be like, oh, my God, this is, you know, one of those moments that they've – as soon as the World Cup draw came out, it's like, this, this is the game these guys all want to play and everything. Yeah. And then that happens. They just get yeah. they're standing behind their own goalposts within a minute. <laughs> it's like, oh, and it man. makes you remember it's just the all blacks. Utterly brutal. Yeah, it's glorious, but it is brutal. It's yeah. so impressive that you do have the time to have sympathy. Yeah, despite and it being so early in. McAllister's break is so easy. Just steps inside from his own twenty-two, links up with Andy Ellis, and. At that point, like, you know, it's one floated pass over the top you, to Sivavatu. You can see Sivavatu's face kind of turning going like, oh God, I'm allowed to score already. <laughs> yeah. He kind of then accelerates onto it. Like it kind of hasn't occurred to him that he can do anything other than maybe like step inside and set up. But no, no, he takes it. He runs it in. He outpaces his opposite man who like also 
Where's that that Sintu on his debut? Yeah. Like a minute into his first cap, he's put opposites to Deveni Severatu. One-on-one, him having 15 metres of space. One minute into your debut. Yeah, not a chance. It's bleak. It's a bleak world to land yourself in. (laughs) Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. And suddenly, Georges Juch goes, all right, don't worry, Romanian lads. I got your back. Don't worry about it. And that little knock-on, no, so that massive knock-on happens. There's a really funny moment where about four minutes in, maybe, Lucien Serbu goes for this mental, deliberate knock-on to kill an overlap. And then the referee just blows it as a knock-on. And Serbu, like, runs off into the distance, clearly trying to race the referee, seeing, like, can I get a spectator try against the All Blacks? Like, <laughs> I know that I, this is going to get disallowed, but can I at least put the ball down before the referee's blown his whistle? But he's got, like, 70 metres to go, and the referee just doesn't penalise him, even though it's, like, the most deliberate knock-on ever, just gives a scrum against him. And Serbu then just turns around and looks fuming <laughs> with the fact that this knock-on's been given against him. There is, like... And bless them for it. There is sort of a minute or two of Romania really getting stuck in, I think, as you'd say. Yes. Of them being very, like, fired up. And yeah, we're going to take the game to them now that we're already 7-0 down after a minute. And none of it's, like, that effective. But, like, they get a couple of good carries. They Like, Tonita makes a really great shot to turn the ball over. There's There's a few nice moments, but it all, like, very much dissipates the moment they get the ball in their hands again, the All Blacks, and the game breaks up instantly and they score again. Yeah, it just goes to show just how quickly the, the All Blacks are just, or, or just how much the All Blacks are, are treating this kind of like a training run. And it's, yeah, it's, they've already identified all the gaps they're going to run into and they're just waiting for someone in the forwards to just turn it over. And then, then it's like, <laughs> Ellis knows exactly just to blast it like out as as quick as possible, and then they just there's just so much seems to be so much space for them, mm. and it's just big sweeping movements down the field, and and then after a while you're like, oh okay, this is the way it's going to be for this is one of those games where it's like, okay, are they going to get a hundred points? You know how, how yeah. much times? Yeah, I hundred percent agree with your thing saying about it. it's it is like a training run because like very clearly they're not using any moves that are that yeah. the wanting to save back for the French game because they, it all looks improvised, you know. Mm. The, the second try is from first phase, their move is just give Sivavatu a crack and they literally just give the ball to Sivavatu, has a bit of a run, pops it off the floor and Andy Ellis like makes a break off it and just throws a dummy. You know, Chris Marceau straight off the scrum, knowing exactly what's going to happen, gets in support, scores off 
Ellis's break. And it's just like, none of this is from the All Blacks being particularly organised. It's just off them being fast and just good at what it's, they do. Yeah, raw skill and ability, isn't it? Mm. More than anything um, else. I kind of I kind of like that because that's mm. very much of its time as well. Yeah. Because I think even these days, if the All Blacks were playing Romania at this book, I mean, they're going to be playing some similar kind of games mm. in their ball matches, is that there'd be a lot more penalties because being an overmatched opponent, you're going to give away penalties. And the All Blacks' mm. first instance would be to kick it into the 22 and do some sort of set-piece move, whereas this was more just like, we've got the ball, we'll just run it and see what see what happens. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that... I kind of prefer that way than, than the way they do it now. Yeah. You say there'd be a lot of penalties. That does require the referee oh. choosing to blow his whistle and give an award one, you know. So yep. later this year, the All Blacks play Namibia in the same stadium that they played Romania in here. And I can almost guarantee the All Blacks will score a try from a mall in that game. <laughs> Which, like, this game, they're so open, they're so free-flowing, they've got no thought of malls. Like, they go off the top from a five-meter line out. They're that that dedicated to this style of play. That wouldn't be the case this year. Have you seen the, the one time they do try them all in this game? Where they go like back ball at the, the line out, set it back for them all, and then Bogdan Balan just decides he's going to chop the entire mall and goes to the very back, like forgets the offside line, and just chop tackles Marsoe at the back. And nice. just goes, yeah, that's fine. The whole mall can fall over. And Judge just has this look on his face where he goes, well, I respect the fact you tried that, so I'm not going to penalise you for it. <laughs> what you're forgetting, right, is at this point, Bogdan Balan has played about 300 games in the Pro Day Duh. <laughs> So of course, of course, he thinks he can get away with literally anything. He probably does in the naughty, but not get penalised. Yeah, by Joel Zuch, French referee as well. You know, he knows what he can get away with. Absolutely. He's well practiced in this. Yeah, and I, I think uh, I'll bring it up now. But like in the second half, when Andrew Hall comes on, mm. he definitely gives Romania like a make-up penalty as well because Hall does really well to identify the lineout jumper and just come across and. Oh yeah, all over, and and he gives a Romanian penalty for like <laughs> a really good bit of defensive play, and I, I think that's actually what they score their only points in the second half off. Yeah, yeah. It was off that, and it was just like you watch the replay, and you're like, "What the hell? What the hell was that for?" Like you just made that up out of thin air. And so <laughs> he was. He was pretty kind to Romania at the lineup. I'll give him that. Yeah, I think the All Blacks got four penalties all game. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> completely yeah, there, dominant there weren't, there weren't a lot I'll, I'll give him that he 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 did put the whistle away when he I also you know looking at this through 2023 lens at this game it's like obviously there's a lot more contesting at the breakdown you know mm. the guys are still flying into rucks and stuff and so it's important to remember like what actually was legal back then and what what wasn't so I I because I can't really remember <laughs> like, even though I was playing like at, reasonably high level back in those days so yeah I, I i'm not sure what like how much how, how whether the amount of penalties given away was actually reflective of what the laws were at the time i mean i've been watching plenty of this and i'm really not sure either <laughs> <laughs> yeah rest on vibes sometimes yeah there's a lovely bit of handling puts rock Rocco over in the corner yes um, no through the legs pass yes it's just lovely it's simple is well executed 
and it's bloody Rocafoco scoring in the corner, doing what he does best. 41st try in 47 appearances for the All Blacks, which is not a bad record. We'll see if he gets any more as the game goes on. Mm, indeed. And yeah, that's where Brisonu gets really fuming and just goes, right, you're not scoring another one. You fucking idiot. Like, you're, you're <laughs> not going down my wing ever again. You're getting rattled now, son. And then the next try is, in fact, scored down his wing, but not by Rokothoko. And can I just say, this try is absolute bollocks. <laughs> uh, where Andy Ellis makes that break down the short side. Oh, yeah. Then tries to put in a little kick and falls over. And the ball just happens to kind of hit his foot and just flies perfectly, like magnetized into Nick Evans's hands. And Nick Evans isn't really running support. He's just there. Yeah. Well, Nick Evans sort of noticed last second, the ball is like on a course towards him. And he goes, I should probably go pick that up then. Yeah. Someone really like, he's the almost reluctant. Line. Like, oh, okay. All right. I've got to go and score this, have I? It's definitely one of those moments where as a Romanian if you're a Romanian player or a fan or all the coaching staff, you just be like, oh, well, what the fuck? Like, they get it. If they're not <laughs> already, they, now Andy Ellis has got magical powers. <laughs> <laughs> like, couldn't it, couldn't it be Lucy and Serbu who pulls that off instead of Andy Ellis? Like, they've got enough tries they're going to score, right? But just, no. also, just, just before I forget, just mentioning the Romanian coaching staff, those those men look like they've seen a few things, man. They are, they are some... <laughs> They are some craggy men. Like they, they've, they've, they've lived through communism, man. They, they've, they, they, yeah, those are some harsh-looking men. <laughs> it's like so. Look, this is obviously a tragedy. I think we mentioned it in the previous episode. The Romanian head coach Daniel Santaman went on to die of a heart attack at his mother's funeral. Oh, which is like a level of tragedy that, like, I think. Look, like, as you say, I reckon his entire life was like that. I think his entire life was like one of those, like, really dour European movies about a man who just has a sad life then dies prematurely. Just like, oh, it's fucking (laughs) typical. It's his mum's funeral as well. God. (laughs) I bet he does. He looks like he had a hard life and he smoked a lot to make up for it. Like, he took it on himself. He was yeah, just like, this is bollocks, man. He couldn't fucking write this. <laughs> yeah, like I, I saw them in the stands, you know, in their in their like little coaches box thing, and I was like, if I if you were to find out how old these guys were in the thing, it'd be a lot younger than what you think that they yeah. are. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I imagine it was just like enough of that fucking life on Earth, man. I'm yeah. fed up. <laughs> I'm just so happy to go somewhere else. <laughs> And you know what? Good on him. He, he... God bless you, Daniel. <laughs> yeah, the other so the bonus point wrapped up by 17 minutes. And from that point, it is pure jouet. Yes. There is little else. They don't really care about even scoring, even finishing things. So Vartu gets a second try. He tries his after. best to bomb that, doesn't he, as well? <laughs> he really does. Because it's so such a beautiful try. And you're looking at all of the movement, like Lawaki makes the original break and offloads to Collins, who offloads to Ellis. Oh, Jerry's offload is glorious. And then everyone else follows up by trying to do an even better one. And it's, yeah, the the support lines here are fantastic. Like, Toei Arva's 
offload is basically like perfectly behind him and Sivavatu runs this really like intelligent support line anticipating the like the shape of where Toyov's body is going to be looking you know and then you think oh this is a gorgeous try and then Sivavatu start to do a little step inside and you go oh that's just going to be the icing on the cake he's going to do a little step inside dot it down one-handed under the sticks and instead just goes well I've got a debutante winger in front of me I might as well just let him know I'm here so you don't need to do that sit of any just I runs am... into him amazed this isn't a try that the Rugby World Cup shares on their social media. I've never seen this before. Every three months. I'm amazed I don't see this retweeted constantly. It's like, what a, in a like square format of like, what a try the All Blacks scored in 2007. Like, if you think the All Blacks will score another try this year. (laughs) Do you think it was one of those where they shared it once? It was full of like Kiwis in the comments saying, shame that team were fucking dog shit. Henry out kind of stuff. Uh, I, I think I was just about to say I think that's why <laughs> <laughs> they um they steer clear of of 2007 highlights um, <laughs> even from even just from games completely unrelated to the All Blacks you'll get you'll get a bunch of New Zealanders talking about <laughs> about Wayne Barnes and and all that so it's yeah sorry sorry rest of the world that's just the unfortunate society that I come from. I'm going to test this, right? If there's anyone that works for World Rugby social media channels and they're almost certainly isn't listening, then you should tweet a clip of this try and caption it something like, who loves wingers? <laughs> the old blacks do. Who loves this try? Tag a mate who is a winger. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. That's it's it. going to be really interesting when we get to that point because... I think it was an interesting moment in the history of the podcast when we covered the um, 2011 South Africa-Australia game. And we we did all of that. And when, well, Bryce oh, Lawrence yeah. was all right. Yeah. Like, he was, you know, I get it, but he wasn't that dreadful. And then just had loads of South African fans in our mentions, just like, this is disgraceful. Oh, oh. Nah, don't, <laughs> even, don't even go anywhere near that one, man. Like, oh, God. I still get people tweeting, like, asking for videos on the Bryce Lawrence thing. Like the other week, I came across an album of Afrikaans language <laughs> folk songs about rugby by various artists that I played in the office. And there is Great. one about Bryce Lawrence. I'm Which surprised was... it wasn't the whole album. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, to set the scene, at this point, we were booking our travel uh, for the Rugby World Cup coming mm. up. Like, we have, we're having like a huge, like, it's quite a stressful thing because there was like so much like traveling, like logistics stuff that we needed. We to just set out. aside a day to try and get everything else sorted. Yeah. And then you just whack this on in the background. And I don't think you set the scene for what it was. And then the song <laughs> said something about Faffy and you said, this song's about Faff the Clerk. And I was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> and then... A song came on, and it was all being sung in Afrikaans, so it's just kind of, you know, when you, when you listen to, like, fucking Sigur Ross or whatever, and you just go, oh, it's just Icelandic, I don't care what they're actually saying, you know. It was that kind of vibe where it's just like, oh, you know what, I'm enjoying this, whatever. And then you hear them say something in Afrikaans, then you hear the word Bryce Lawrence, and you go, wait a fucking moment, what? <laughs> and then you had to look up the lyrics, didn't you? Yeah, I can't remember what they were, but it was something along the lines of Bryce Lawrence, don't ever come to my farm. I have free shotguns. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, I was gonna—I was just gonna say you should send it to me because I can send it to Bryce Lawrence and see what he thinks. But I'm, I'm not, <laughs> not if it's about. No, no it wasn't. It wasn't that extreme. But that would be great content. Have <laughs> any updates on Superboot, by the way? Any further news of Superboot's whereabouts? Oh, I was back up in Fiji on in January. Um, mm. Couldn't, yeah, just couldn't get down to the village. Unfortunately, I was stuck Fair in soup, so. But 
I'm keep trying. The the, the quest continues. <laughs> <laughs> one day, one day. The reason we keep employing you, Jamie. <laughs> so, what's the next try? Because <laughs> it is pretty like so. Andy Ellis has that try disallowed with a forward pass, and I was kind of like, well, it's a lovely move, but like it's not interesting because they don't finish it. There's 13 <laughs> yeah. tries in this game, 14 if you include Romania's, like, which we should. You're kind of like, well, I don't have time for anything that isn't a try. I think the next try, in fact, is the, mo- the most interesting, and I would say, by a long way, the best one mm. of the whole game, which is the one that is, of course, scored by Marius Tinku. Yes! And the reason why it's the most interesting and the best is because he is, in fact, from Romania. <laughs> and is handsome. And it's which none of the all blacks are. That's right. You heard me, <laughs> Nick Evans. Uh, okay, just on since we're talking about appearances, I just I would like to bring up just how of the time a lot of these guys look, especially Alistair <laughs> yeah. and and the Romanian captain. Is it Soren Sokol? Yes. Yes. Like, they've got oh. the they've got the David Beckham kind of thing going, and just like that, just reminds me of going out. And probably what I was doing that night was <laughs> looking like that and around a whole bunch of other guys who looked like that as well, wearing floral pattern shirts and silver chains and dress shoes at the time. Like that's exactly what like McAllister looks like he's just going out to town. And also one thing I am kind of gutted because everyone, you know, wants to wipe this whole tournament from the memory is I really like these all black jerseys. Like I think they uh. look really, they look really cool. Like how they've got that kind of thing on the sleeve which makes their biceps look huge i just <laughs> I, I i and it's been completely kind of forgotten from history because obviously whenever anyone talks about the 2007 mm. jersey it's about the bloody gray one but i i think this is as a, as a jersey these look these look these look awesome but yeah there's a there's a lot of guys in this team that like that's a very early 2000s kind of look because of course oh. in 2007 in new zealand everyone was dressing like it was 1999 so <laughs> that's the way that's the way they're looking. But Sokol's... So, I think in Romania as well, because Soren yeah. Sokol looks very much like that. His look is extraordinary. He looks like someone Jason Bourne kills in a prolonged fight scene in the second act. Like, <laughs> it's this. It's very specific. It's worth looking at a picture of. Like his Wikipedia page has a has a photo of him from about this time, where he's got this kind of like shaved it, like really deliberate but bizarre hairline and hair with the the, the little patch on his chin yeah yep. it he's it's a it's a bold choice and i respect it i respect it i wonder if he looks like that now <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't play in this game but ali williams's look at the time was really notable yes. as well with mm. the full mullet okay, so and... so ali williams still looks like that um <laughs> i can tell you he lives not far away from me um, oh wow and, you know, he he very much does still Hard he, to he's, miss. Never left that. he's never left that, that that time period. He peaked in 2006-7 era and um, he's clinging onto it hard. <laughs> I don't blame him. I don't blame him at all. So, Tinku try. Romania, God bless them, go about 15 phases of picking and going just outside the 22 because they know that is the only way they're going anywhere. There is no ambition, but huge ambition, and okay. I love it. Julian Dumitrash does make a little break. Yeah. Route, and that's it. Like, and you know he's not going to score because he's the slowest fullback in history. But, like, it's a great break and step inside. After, like, 30 phases of just picking and going, they pass two out. And the other guy's like, oh, hold up, hold up, hold up. You can pass as well. Why haven't you been doing it then? We're half an hour into this game. It's the first time you've looked like passing. 
And yeah, Dumitrescu makes this inexplicable break, and he is so determined to finish it because he knows how famous that clip will be. Yes, yes. The tries, you know, it's well taken, I think. Mm. They go to the mall. Tinku originally go for a kind of one-man drive into Andy Ellis and Luke McAllister, so the 9 and 10 for the All Blacks, Mm. you know, probably the two lightest players on the team, and eventually gets a bit of a hand from Soren Sokol, who does help to push him over the line. I think that's a really good moment that it's those two in particular who have that hand in that try because those have been the two stand-up players for Romania in this tournament. Spoilers for the leaving party. We're making this briefer and briefer so Jamie can sit through it. I was absolutely delighted Tinku gets the try. Yeah. Incredibly well-deserved for the career he has either side of this as well as the performance he puts in this game. I think he is maybe Romania's best player. I think he's up there anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. So really well deserved, really well taken. Good on them. Delight to remain to get a try. The crowd absolutely love it. Yeah. I do remember like when I watched this game back, I was mm. like, that was the thing that triggered the memory for me because I was like, it's one of those ones where as a New Zealand you're watching it, you're like, oh yeah, I'm just happy that they got a big cheer from the crowd. Like that's what the crowd wanted to see. They wanted to see the Haka. They wanted to see the All Blacks run a bunch of tries, but they also want to see the other yeah. team at least do something. So that was kind of cool. It was that they they managed to do in the first half as well, because usually you have to wait until like the an hour into the game before something like that happens. Yeah. They managed to get it while the game would have been competitive in any normal circumstances where the All Blacks hadn't scored a minute in. Yeah. And they kind of bookend the half with tries with Aaron Major getting one at the end, and it's a beauty again. Oh, it's, it's one of those just really nice improvised moves where he does a little switch with Toei Arva. Toei Arva's just so naturally strong and fast and balanced. And seeing him playing games like this makes you realise like what a fun player he is when his opposite number is struggling to contain him. And yeah, he's a bit of a box of tricks at that point. And the offload he pulls out here is fantastic to set up Major in the corner where it's one of those where like typically you think it's easy to throw it out the cat flap out the back, but he just kind of throws it kind of, off his chest almost mm. uh, one handed, like over his shoulder to major outside him, like with the ball out in front of him. It's lovely. The only thing I've got written in my notes for this is Aaron major league rugby. <laughs> well, um, he might, he, he may well be, be there soon. Cause he's just out of a job down here. <laughs> I mean, major league rugby would be kind of the place where a guy, where a coach like him probably belongs. So yeah. What other question is, a coach who's kind of floated on the strength of his playing career, hasn't he? Uh, well, yes, he has. And because, I mean, basically every coach in New Zealand right now is from this, not mm. this era, probably the previous World Cups era. So at the moment, you got Scott Robertson, Aaron Major, Leon McDonald. They were all in the yeah. same team. Um, yeah. and they're, all co- they're all coaching now. And there's a couple more floating around as well. I just, I can't remember off the top of my head. Oh, oh Tano Umbang as well. Like, he was mm. in that all team. And like, trust me, there's a few more, but I remember talking to some people about that, about like, cause saying, oh, well, what an amazing group of guys. And it's like, yeah, but also it says that the pathway to being a top coach is so limited that you, they're only drawing from that one. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's just, it's, I think Major's coaching career also has been also done on the strength of like who he's been coaching with. And as soon as he got a gig, coaching one team well i mean you saw what happened so yeah yeah it's a shame as well because new zealand's kind of traditionally been the one country that was producing coach england a little bit but less so coaches that weren't all ex-players 
And I think that's why you've got such a wide range of, you know, Kiwi yeah, coaches. Like Joe Schmidt sure didn't really have much of a career as a player. No. Hey, Wayne Pivak, the best of the lot. Yeah. You know, but there's a lot of those players that had like, you know, played senior rugby at an okay level, but weren't necessarily, you know, great to the game in the way Aaron Mordra is and the way Tanner Manger is, etc. You know, even a Razor Robinson who had like, isn't an all black legend, but had a pretty solid playing career, you know, playing international rugby. So yeah, it's, it's a shame that it's gone that way because it is the way in so many other countries as well. And there will be coaches out there who aren't getting the necessarily the shot. But that's probably a conversation for another day because we have a bloody second half full of like 68 tries to quickly whiz through. So we're not here for another six hours. So there's more rugby happens, I believe. I think so. I think Willow in with this story. Oh, what? Chindu picks up a ball and really pissed offly runs into Luke McAllister. Uh, Yes, pissed offly is an adjective now. There's one hilarious moment where Julian Dimitrash boots the ball absolutely miles into touch and Sivivarch yeah. takes a quick throw from behind the advertising hoarding. Which is fun. Dumatrash doesn't get many chances to show that he's got a boot bigger than the stadium he's playing in. But yeah. when he does, he relishes them. Yeah. There's a great tap move that they run from one of their four penalties, which I call throw hospital pass to Luke McAllister, loop round, then throw hospital pass to Loaki. Oh, wait, but Sivavatu scored anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it was a. I went to skip forward a bit to see the lineup setting up and saw, like, oh, Sivavatu scoring in the corner. What's happened here? It must have been something really impressive. Then you watch the move back and you get whiplash all over again. Yeah, there's Sivavatu bombs a try afterwards when um, uh, he's got um, Rokothoko outside him and he's got oh, I think yeah. Andy Ellis is inside him, like on a kind of 2v1, didn't really pass it. But I'll tell you what, once again, Gabriel Brazogno's commitment to the fact that Rokothoko is not seeing that ball in any space <laughs> is incredible. So no, just pass it inside, pass it inside. Don't try throwing it. Oh, it's fine. I've intercepted it. Don't worry about it. I have never seen a man who scores a hat trick have so little space. Yeah. <laughs> it's an angry man in front of him. But also, yeah, he does score a hat trick. So. Yeah. Gabriel asks yourself some questions. I think that is unfair. I think that is unfair. But it is kind of Romania's best spell of the game. I think that kind of period just after half time, it's a lot of just being amongst it. You know, there's a lot of like Manta and Tonita just smashing people, whether they have the ball or not. And I'm greatly into it. You know, Gonteniek likewise. There's a lot of like Romania just being very aggressive for 15 minutes. And actually, that is the most. Like that is the period of the game where it is nil nil for about ten minutes. It's like the only time they keep the All Blacks scoreless for a while. There's a quote from Sokol after the game where he said, "You know, we had a few moments where we really switched on, but the moment we switched off, we conceded five or six tries." And yeah, that's pretty much what happened. I enjoyed Sokol's post match as well. If we can just skip to that, because um, yes, in in broken English, he. He mentioned that, you know, obviously they're disappointed with the World Cup game, but the All Blacks thrashing Scotland made us very happy. (laughs) (laughs) I love it when you said uh, we're actually very happy with today. The All Blacks, they put 80 points on us because they are, uh, how do you say this? Um, They're they're very good. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But um, uh, I hope that people can see what we were trying. (laughs) My favourite bit is when he says like, yes, we uh, we were happy we got a try because England got nilled early in the tournament. (laughs) (laughs) So say la vie. Yeah, that's that's, it. Just say la vie. (laughs) 
I've got so much time for him. I like him speaking a second language and speaking a third language in the process. Yeah. Oh, I'd say his, his French would probably be better than his English, right? Because that's where he would have been. Yeah, probably. He played for Poe for a while. So, yeah, he just slipped back into it. All languages that aren't Romanian are the same, aren't they? <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was really, really funny. Like him talking about how he was simultaneously really disappointed and also absolutely elated with how the game went. It was really conflicted. But like he had the energy of a fan who's got up, been slightly reluctant and drank two beers in the process of watching the game. Yeah. And is like, not not like gone, not like totally pissed, but is a bit like a bit tipsier than he should be. But actually he was captain of the team and just played 80 minutes. It's, it's great. I, it's huge, huge value. Yeah. For sure. But the, the dry spell for the All Blacks finishes mm. when Sione Laaki makes a break and lets Rokothoko score the prick. And it's just like, do you not know how, this, how hard uh, Brizonyu's been working to make sure Rokothoko doesn't get any space? And like the whole time, Brizonyu's like staying, mocking his man, mocking <laughs> Rokothoko. And he's like, Laaki, you can keep running, bro. And he throws like three dummies to get through him. And it's like, don't worry, just keep going. And then he has this realization of like, oh no, if I let them keep running, they're both faster than me. So they both just overtake him. And unfortunately, Rokothoko gets a walk in. It's well taken. Lauaki, I think this is kind of his big moment in the game. It would be like a big highlights real moment, I think. It's really, really lovely, really well taken. Rokofoko is fast, is the thing. Hard to disagree. That's some uh, expert analysis. That's why people come to uh, Squid Rugby, the YouTube channel. <laughs> um, that's, that's what I've got to offer, I'm afraid. I have written yeah. down Christian Petra goes full bastard because yes! first touch of the ball when he comes on, he gets the ball slapped out of his hands by Christian Petra. And ref's like, hmm, I don't really know. Can I give that as a knock-on or do I have to penalise you? It was one of Brendan Leonard's real specialities as a rugby player was having the ball slapped out of his hand by second rows and it not being penalised. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things he really brought to a team, I think, that and uh, not having hair. I just um, love that Petra went for that because, like, are his team then going to come up to him and go, like, well done, you're in his head, son. You're in his head. <laughs> <laughs> 60 points down, but you're in his head. There was, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but I think it was after about 51 minutes, there was a really bad swinging arm from Loaki just... Oh, yes. ...popped one the of the remaining... And it was completely off the ball as well, which is a bit weird considering that the score at this stage would have been like, what, 50-odd to five. And, I mean, you know, it just, go, just went to show that back in those days... And, and of course, nothing came, nothing came of it. Yeah. Well, so it just goes to show that if that's the sort of stuff that was still going on in a game like this, you know, just how different things things were back then. Yeah. On the slow-mo, you can see the uh, half-second hesitation as Dumitrash considers fighting Lawaki from that, <laughs> and then goes, mm, maybe not. Uh, maybe not. I've got plans thought, tomorrow. On second thoughts, he's pretty big. <laughs> he's a pretty good athlete as well, so he might run down my channel. Andrew Hall's try is lovely. Yeah, as is his non-try. Oh, yeah. no, the non-try the non I want to talk about. I, Please. Because, because it is pretty funny watching a guy of his sort of age and experience just make such a catastrophic <laughs> blunder, like reaching out <laughs> half a metre short and then having the ball stripped off him. But then also the fact that after that, because all the Romanians get back and form a ruck, the ball goes back to the back of his feet. And it's like, it's like a meter and a half behind their own goal line and no one's doing anything. 
They're all just standing, <laughs> sitting on the sitting on the try line, and then they pass it back and clear it. But he's like, yeah, a meter into his own end goal. But it's just kind of funny how that that happened because of Horde just getting white line favor and just trying to reach out, and his arms, his stubby little arms, just aren't long enough. To <laughs> it makes you wonder how he clubbed that. those seals. How could he reach them? <laughs> Uh, uh, no, no, because he, he used a shotgun. <laughs> he was he, shot the, <laughs> he didn't club them. But um, I've always imagined he actually had a club. No, no, they, it was him and his him and his mates out on a boat, and they had a gun with them. And that, and then some, some people saw them shooting some seals. <laughs> and um, yeah, that's how I can't remember whether this that had ha- no, it hadn't happened by by now. That that happened a couple of years later. But mm. Andrew Hoare in court having to face a judge for shooting a seal is my favorite rugby photo of all time you might have noticed it on my twitter feed i oh. I, I i use it every now and then but that that that's why i just think anything andrew Hoare does is i can't take it seriously because who does that <laughs> like who shoots a seal there is I'll... something really funny as well about like seeing a world-class rugby player like coming just like an inch short from the trial line through no real fault they're going way you shit bastard yes. kind of thing <laughs> <laughs> when his team is seventy points up, yeah, yeah, I think that might be my favorite moment of the moment of the game. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big highlight for sure. He scores one. That's boring. So let's not talk about that. Rock and Fucker scores like minute, almost immediately afterwards, and I am absolutely gutted for Brazilian. <laughs> Whose name I've just given up, Gabriel, our mate, absolutely gutted for him. Rocket Fucker gets his hat trick. I know it's the moment the dam bursts. He was trying so hard to prevent it from happening, but Jerry Collins' flick pass out of the back was the only thing that could stop Brazilian from um, just beheading Joe Rocketoco on his way to the try line. If not for Jerry Collins' moment of magic, then who knows what will happen to Smoking Joe. Who knows? Who knows? This does, of course, take our boy, Mr. Joe, to the magical total of seven tries in the World Cup, which puts him, obviously, the record is eight, but John Lomu, and then Brian Habana goes on to equal it in this tournament, and then Julian Tavea equals it in 2015. This put him second on the all-time Rugby World Cup try scores list, which is a moment of, you know, note, I guess. He still stands as joint second, all-time Rugby World Cup try scorer. And, you know, well, Josh Adams got seven in the last World Cup. I think Sivvato got seven in this World Cup as well. So, yeah, it's a, there's quite a long list of managed seven, but also it is a hell of an achievement. That, it's funny because that actually just made me remember that that everyone was predicting that that record would get smashed because of the, the strength mm. of Sheffield the All Blacks had in those pool, pool games. And the thought was that we were hoping Rokothoko would get picked against Portugal and that he would break the record for the number of tries scored by an All Black in a game. And I remember we had like a little wall chart up <laughs> with like counting all the all the tries in our flat. Uh, but unfortunately, it didn't happen. Ah. Um, which is the second most disappointing thing about this World Cup for, for us. First <laughs> <laughs> being Andrew Hall not reaching out to score in that try, obviously. Okay. Well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> it's also worth mentioning at this stage, Richie McCaw has just come on and is absolutely unplayable. Like, he makes a break in the lead-up to that try. And, like, straight afterwards, there's a point when Nick Evans puts in this really weird, like, forced crossfield kick to nobody, and yet it ends up with McCaw making a break off the back of it. Like, 
McCall makes like four or five breaks in the 15 minutes he plays. He's genuinely like unplayable. It's basically the best 15 minutes of rugby I've ever seen an individual play. And that is high praise. Yeah, you, you're right. It's the most I've ever seen Richie McCall run with the ball. Mm. And also, but this, this, my, but my favorite bit was he tackles a guy and he doesn't turn the ball over. He turns the player over. He just grabs him. <laughs> and, and as he's tackling him, he just shoves him onto the all black side and then just doesn't. I mean, obviously, he should have been, probably should have been penalized for not letting him go. But because the guy's just been slammed so hard on the all black side, the ball just rolls out at Andy Ellis's feet. I was like, man, that's that's a pretty effective way of turning the ball over. You just, <laughs> the dude and just throw him, throw him onto your side of the rock. And not getting penalized for those things is what McCall is the greatest oh, of all yeah. time at. You know, mm. absolutely. There's a All Blacks tweet by the official All Blacks account that me and Will bring up reasonably often between ourselves. <laughs> Where they cap there was a game where Richard McCall got Simbin and came off the bench, came back on and scored two tries. And the it's All Blacks I think that would make sense. It was about twenty twelve ish. The All Blacks tweeted a photo of McCall sitting on the bench after he'd been yellow carded. One of I think two yellow cards in his career. And they added like the, the spe- a speech bubble from him saying, When I get off this bench, I'm going to score two tries. <laughs> <laughs> Which was the funniest, stupidest tweet I've ever seen. As far I, as considering that that's the All Blacks social media account, like that, the the fact that like that's the the dumbest thing they've done. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's top ten. It's top ten. But it just it had that vibe when McCaw came on. Like he'd said to himself, "When I get off this bench, I'm going to be unplayable." It's for what everyone 10 says minutes. about McCaw. He was more of an impact player. <laughs> yeah. Seven games off the bench were unreal. Should have been more. Should have been yeah, more. This was so good. He did it another six times. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's why he kept cheating, so he could go to the bench and uh, get a sit down. And then oh, come here we go. <laughs> He got away with it. That was what made him good. Yeah. Uh, that and nothing else. He was a one-trick pony. Overrated rugby players. Richie McCall, yeah, yeah. number one. Owen Farrell, number two. Marcus Smith, number three. Number four is Julian uh, Sarveya. Number five is... Cleveland Laubser. I've got to say, fullback. Shut up about Cleveland Laubser. You're never going to meet him. Uh, I've got to say, this 15 minutes was where Richard McCaw peaked. I think it's all downhill from here. It's just this was the highlight of his career. It was this is game, man. No wonder that everyone applauded him because they knew what was coming. Look, it was <laughs> so the steam game. rising off him. It was in the 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 most important tournament joint most important tournament Look, played in. and they won big, the fucker by 80 points big big men occur on big occasions yes. and Richie McCall was most certainly occurring right now we've just shut, shut Jamie up like six times by changing the conversation about every three seconds it's okay <laughs> I've, enjoyed, I've enjoyed jumping from Stephen Jones going through his uh, his, his favourite players to um, you, know, <laughs> you guys thinking that this is the the peak of Richie, Richie McCaw's career, but like I said before, it's definitely the in terms of him running with the ball. This is the this probably is the peak because yeah. he, he yeah. carved off about two hundred meters in, in fifteen minutes. Yeah. Okay. I just googled most overrated rugby players in history. Right? Do you want to know the top five, the first five that come up? Go on. Owen Farrell, <laughs> Semi Randrandra, 
Brian Habana, Sam Warburton, Billy Vanapola. What? Brian Habana? Brian Habana, Sam Warburton. I get Vanapola. Uh, yeah, and, and Paul, whatever. Semi Randrandra. Owen Farrell is massively underrated because yeah, everyone goes, oh, he's overrated. No, he's not. Sam Warburton, it was a hot take when he was playing, then he retired and was like, oh, no, actually, he was good. Brian Abana, fine. In the Warburton era, you could, uh, you, if you wanted to be a hipster, you could go, I actually think Tipperick's better than Warburton, you know, and you got three hipster points in the bag. Or you said, you know who Warburton's better than? Richie McCaw. Oh, that's also a good one. That's also a good one. I imagine in, in New Zealand you had a similar thing, like, oh, Jerome Kano is actually the best member of a back row, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, no, that still very much is, is yeah. a thing. That that it, was, it wasn't really about McCaw or Reed. It was about Kano. And that, that there is kind of a little bit of truth to it because the All Blacks mm. haven't been able to replace him this whole time. But uh, that's mm. interesting that you bring that up because that's very much a topic at the moment because our old mate, Shannon Frizzell is like finally playing like good rugby. And now as the media, we're in this kind of odd situation where we're like, gosh, we have to talk about Shannon Frizzell now. So he's going to get put up for media because he's never done media ever since mm. what happened. Yeah. And so, yeah, you're right. But sorry, back to your original point. No, no. Yeah, you're right. There's, there's tons, there's, there's dozens and dozens of players who never played for the All Blacks who, People would say like, "Oh, if he got a shot to get over instead of Richie McCoy, he would have been just as good as him." And it's like, fucking seriously. (laughs) (laughs) I was a huge fan of when Matt Todd finally got his go. Yeah, because he was that guy for such a long time. Yeah, yeah. So Matt Matt Todd is the yeah he's the go to for anyone in Canterbury about like how great Canterbury players are. That Matt Todd would have been 150 Test All Black. You know, had it not been from another for another guy from Canterbury called Rishi McCourt, and, <laughs> and who else? Oh, Do you reckon there's it, Dan Braid clingers on? Oh, oh, uh, nah. I think Daniel Braid was a bit of a muff. Like uh, he, <laughs> no, no, no. If you really want to be a Daniel Braid hipster, you talk about his brother Luke Braid. Oh, oh yeah, 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 of course. Luke was the good one, and of course, if you're a if you're a Barrett's hipster it's about Kane Kane, Kane would have been the best all black had it not had he not been forced to retire I could keep going on about these sort of guys for the rest of the rest of the day like honestly and oh my favorite my favorite well my own hipster moment was when I first started watching Wellington it wasn't about Tano Manga it was about his brother Mike oh yeah Mike, Mike was my favorite my favorite player I, for a long time, banged the drum with this guy, Richard Fussell, who played fullback for the Dragons and then the Ospreys, and was just like, all the, he was a great attacking fullback. Rest of his game was not there. Well, Red Scrum Cap was great. And for, look, to this day, if I were made Wales coach, I would cap him. He's been retired for about 12 years. I would cap him immediately if I ever was in the Wales job. He's just like, he was my hipster choice for so long. I was like, no, Richard Fussell is the guy. He is the guy. Like, I went to see the Osprey play Saracens, and he was like five metres in front of me at one point. And I was so starstruck to a point, like, if Richie McCaw had been there, I would have been less starstruck than seeing Richard Fussell, my hipster choice for 10 years. We've had the conversation before, but like, I think everybody should have one player where they go, if I was made national head coach, I would just cap this guy no matter what, like no matter what the situation is. Because we saw it with Wayne Pivak, 
that he was like desperate to pick Josh McLeod because clearly yes. when he was coaching Scott, it's like, oh, I really rate this guy. <laughs> and just every time he'd get injured and like no matter what, even if he was on shit form or he'd been injured just coming back, it's like, I'm just going to cap him at the first available opportunity. Probably and so Spain didn't poach him. It, but, yeah, it um, cost him his job. Have you got one of those, Jamie? Like past or present All Black who, if you got the All Black's black job tomorrow, you're just like, I'm going to cap this guy. Oh, yeah. I mean, again, like in New Zealand, you're just, everybody's got got <laughs> guys like this. I mean, for me, it would have been, you know, going back to my childhood, there was a guy called Sam Doyle who sadly mm. passed away last year, oh. uh, a fullback who was just all out of tech, couldn't tackle to save his life, um, <laughs> yeah. but just looked like he really, really Sounds enjoyed like my kind of player. He was he was my he was my favourite player when um, when I was a kid and um, yeah he would definitely would have been my all black fullback ahead of Christian Cohen I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah. So if your if Razor just suddenly has to withdraw and they could go on you're right you know what we're going to draft in Jamie Wall and I know you've just told me about uh, what Sam Dwell's currently up to but he's going straight in the team sheet at fullback um, just just well, like, if he's got like a four year old kid. Like to be perfectly honest with you, it feels like Ian Foster's actually done that this year. Yeah. There's a few guys in the team, and you're like, "Well, oh, okay." I'm like, because um, I don't know if you guys have heard of Dallas McLeod, but he's mm. a very straight up and down utility player for the Crusaders. Like, he doesn't do anything wrong. He's not, but he's not like you know, he's, he's very solid. Like that's what you call him. And but he and we all joke that he's like the Matt Todd of the backs. Uh, <laughs> because, you know, he's a cult hero in Canterbury because he's a. He's a Christchurch guy. He's, he he looks like the sort of guy that all the all the bloody white people down in Christchurch can sort of get behind because he's he's their guy and he and he he's no nonsense, you know. He, and he he's the sort of guy you'd love to have a beer with, sort of thing. I, I have absolutely no idea whether he's actually like this in real life. I mean, I'm sure he's a nice guy, but the Ian Foster did pick him, so like all those people got their wish. So that's if, off the table now. If only Marty Banks was still going. Oh, oh my god! Yeah, so Marty Banks is the ultimate one of these guys. Yes, like he's yes. got the, the 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 legend of Marty Banks Facebook page. Yes, um, of course uh, I follow that page. And everything, yeah, yeah. So like he he's the ultimate cult hero player in in New Zealand. Yeah, I think if you're talking about these sort of guys, that's the one. He's because the to be honest, if you put him in the All Blacks, if if there was some shocking run of injuries, he'd do the job. He'd do a job. For mm. you. It was very much like. Tom Taylor. I was going to say, yeah, he would have been any worse than Tom Taylor, would he? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Tom Taylor was, like, I think at the time, like, it may well have been down to Tom Taylor or Marty Banks. Mm. Like, that's how... Tom Taylor's a Nepo baby, so uh, Banks was robbed. Yeah, exactly. Banks was robbed. But Marty Marty Banks did, did win a Super Rugby title for the Highlanders, so he did have his moment. Like, it's not like he's gone through his career being the almost ran guy. Like yeah. he did, he did actually do something. So there. And for anybody who's probably from our part of the world and do, isn't aware of who Marty Banks is, basically in the final of would it been the ITM Cup at the time? I guess at one stage he scored the winning try with like a couple of minutes to go. Somebody in the crowd threw him a beer. He downed the whole thing and went back and slotted the conversion. <laughs> He's right. just the best all-time yep. moment in well, the you do final mention- cup final winning conversion. Well, you didn't mention your moment, your player. Sorry, your player you'd pick. Oh, Will Harris, mate, but he already won a cap. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, but he won three caps, one of them against the yeah. Barbars. Yeah, like, that's that's, he got one start against Australia, then the following game where he was dropping for this uncapped youngster called George North. 
Yeah. Honestly, never, never got a fair crack I mean, of the whip. Nick Cudd is also a, a fair shout. Nick Cudd, one of, um, Nick Cudd was like, if you're really into like horrible Welsh games that are played exclusively in like mud and rain and are terrible to watch, he was Matt Todd in those games. Yeah, he's the Welsh Matt Todd. Like, was really good at turnovers and basically and, like, not much else. I want that to sound like fame praise because yeah, it is. Yeah. Like, of course, the Welsh Matt Todd isn't any good. Yeah, I was a big but fan was of also great. at the time. I loved the dragons of that era. Yeah. There was yeah, a few, so many five out of ten players that I could name for you now. But we've got a match to finish here. Yes, we have. Um, oh jeez. Yeah. So a very tiny and young and fr- fresh faced Florin Vlaiku gets a penalty. Yes. Bless so him. baby faced. A, I completely rate Romania going. If we just get back within fifty eight, we've got them. Yeah. Like we'll build it, we'll take... build it from here, boys. Yeah. 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 Leonard doesn't want it taking the shot i love the flow of lake who got points against the all black so somewhere in his career and there's also something fitting about the fact that he comes on to replace gontaniak and those two are maybe almost certainly actually i think yeah romania's two greatest backs of the professional era blake who's got a good argument for being the best back of all time yeah. he's certainly you know, in that sure. conversation if not goes on to be the top point scorer the first tier two player to ever pass a thousand points in test rugby and kicks winning penalty against canada in the 2015 world cup to win them you know the one game in that tournament fantastic and not won a game player. in 2011 yeah. either. Yeah, fantastic player. And I'm glad, like, faint praise as it is, I'm glad he's got points against the All Blacks on his CV. Yeah. You know, when he sure. did that T-shirt on his last game where he printed out all his achievements on a T-shirt, they did all the things he'd done in rugby, I'm glad he could have printed points against the All Blacks, even though he didn't. <laughs> yes. It's really weird because, like, in this World Cup, obviously, Florent like is, like, not that good yet you know like he's not bad but it's just like it's such a shadow of like the player he's just turned 21 yeah exactly like so i'm so glad that he like does something at this point that we can like commemorate and and he's modeled his whole look on luke McAllister as well (laughs) (laughs) don't we all jamie right he goes on to keep that look for his entire career as well and i rate that i respect that enormously yeah oh yeah 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 which is a good addition yeah Soren Sokol puts up a massive like high bomb at one point. <laughs> yeah. Which is incredible. And, and it works. Like Yeah. They regather it. Ball and said, I do what I want and throw the thing in the air. It was incredible. <laughs> it's it's maybe my highlight of the game. Sokol going about. Like, we are not playing the tactics I want. <laughs> <laughs> We've got back from fifty eight. Now we just play more of a kicking game, we'll pressure them into some points. It's actually quite a good kick. Like, it's a great kick. The they recover 22. it and get it into the twenty two, yeah. Howlett bottles it. Like, yeah. They're chipping away, man. They're like, bottling it. Flaky then puts for a lovely grubber that you know, like if there was a proper chase on, maybe they regather, maybe they score, maybe yeah. the comeback really is on. But alas, yeah, Howlett, you speak of bottlers, comes on, scores a try. Bloody boring, isn't it? What's what's yeah. that about? Yeah. Is that the one where they do the little switch? Conrad Smith makes a break and sets him up. Yeah. Again, all very improvised. Yeah, by We're... by now by now the All Blacks are just playing touch. Like <laughs> yeah. if they're playing a practice game at the start, this is like they're playing touch rugby now. Mm. Uh, just quickly on Doug Howlett, he lives not far away from me as well. <laughs> uh, a little bit like the all black Hollywood of, of, of Auckland, by the way. <laughs> uh, and he I see him some mornings up um, Mount Eden going going for a walk and he's he looks like exactly the same as he did back then. Oh, wow. Like he's he's aged beautifully. But he he is kind of funny though because he definitely 
like when people sort of look at him and go, oh, that's, that's Doug Heller. And you can see them, you know, he can see their, their minds ticking over and he, he, he has this look. He just goes, people like, yeah, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> the top try scorer. Yeah. The number one. 49, wouldn't you know it? Yeah, a record that might be under threat this year by Bowden Barrett, actually. Um, oh, oh, really? If he keeps scoring at the rate he's going, he, I think he's on 43. Oh, okay. Um, wow. So, and given the All Blacks schedule in the World Cup, he, he has the opportunity to probably get a bunch. Because mm. um, he's already got a couple this year already. So, yeah. That's interesting. Because every two years, there's a new winger that comes along that you think is going to break the record. Like, it yeah. felt certain Surveyor was going to do it for a long time. Oh. Um, Rico even um, yeah. for a while. And Rico's, now Rico, Rico's in with a shot, but he's still got a way to go. But but Bowden has just kind of snuck up there. And because mm. of his, everyone thought it was going to be a winger, but it's actually Bowden's got the best shot. They all get dropped at 25. Like, 27. Like Leo, 27. Leo DiCaprio's girlfriend. Yep. Yeah. But Bowden's got replaced by a younger, a younger, faster version of him. Yeah, yeah. But Bowden slipped through the cracks by not being a winger. Mm. So he's four behind Surveyor, Cullen and Rocafoco. Wow. And then seven behind Howlett. That is doable. And he's got another few years in him yet, Bodie. Yeah. Ooh, that's interesting. He's some way off Carter, but he could finish second on point scored as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Sorry. Yeah. So uh, Howlett scores. Yeah. The referee Corey goes, yeah, we'll have. Yeah, we'll have one last. Uh, yeah, we'll have one last play. You know, like it's like next Roy wins, and so the All Blacks go. Yeah, right. Then we'll take you up on that. And you know what? It's the most simple but effective, glorious, lovely like slip ball puts them into space. And wouldn't you know it? Toyava ends up on the end of another try in the same corner once again. Yeah, starting as they finished, finishing as they started. Score but just about has his hand still in the field of play as he's yes. diving over. Yeah, we've not really mentioned Corrin Smith also scores where Nick Evans yeah. is flowed, but who cares? It's nice. Good. Well done. Well done yeah. to the lads. So well done, which finally goes. Well done in particular to Romania. Extremely yeah. quick uh, leaving event for them. But yeah, no, like I've really enjoyed them here. There's a few players who are like legends of Romania who I'd not seen play before who... Uh, yeah, I really like liked getting to know, including Sokol and Gonteniak. I think is the main one who I've kind of warmed to. Uh, uh, yeah, him and Sokol both, and Bogdan Balan, of course, at loose head is a guy who is just a bit of a cult hero. I think because he's just like the yeah. stereotype of like a slow, fat, bald prop who will just get through the game, and it's just a good laugh. I'm a fan of him. Yeah, great to see the likes of Tinku, Tonita, Sokol, as you mentioned or having really strong showings themselves. Mm. I think it's the good Romanian team who kind of stand up for themselves very well. Yeah, I think Tonita is kind of the main standout for me if I'm picking one player. Oh, really? very much the, say um, myself, other than Tinku. Very much the Romanian John Eels for me. <laughs> but yeah, I think Sokol also has a really strong World Cup. Tinku, excellent despite the question issues. I like Dimovke 10 as well. Yeah, and Dumatrash is just a stand-up talking point, I think. Yeah, as you say, he does the most rugby. Yes. Cool. Um, so yeah, was... good, good on them. Good on them. Good work. Good work, Romania. Right, cool. Well, welcome Jamie back in now. As uh, that's all right. do... I, on. I, can I just say one thing about one Romanian player? Mm. Um, so the open side Munter. Mm. Uh, I don't. I'm pretty sure it's not in your guys' dialect, but Munter in New Zealand means like a, <laughs> a very thick person, like as in like someone who does some does dumb shit, like gets drunk and falls over. 
and or acts like an idiot, you know. And right. so, he, like that's his actual name. I'm sure the New Zealand commentators had quite a bit of fun because they mentioned <laughs> him a lot. <laughs> but yeah, Munter, you just you'd spell M U N T E R in in New Zealand. But like that, that's a very it's a very soft insult to someone. Like stop acting like a Munter, you know. That, that's yeah, like, yeah. So that it's quite fu- that was quite funny. Was so what you're saying is, in a minute, we're going to do a man of the match and a munter of the match. Nice. Yeah, munter of the match would be that. That's what that that is literally what teams would do in New Zealand. Instead of calling it Dick of the Day, you'd call it munter of the match. There's a bit in Bill McLaren's. It's like one of his memoir things he wrote about one of the most difficult commentaries he ever did was on a game featuring a Tongan player whose surname was Fuka. And he had to be really careful how he pronounced it. And he was just told by the broadcasters, just call him the tongue and tight head all game. Like, <laughs> don't take the risk. Yeah, well, in New Zealand, where we have place names like Fakatane and so forth. Um, we don't <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're less concerned. Yeah. Right, should we do Mantra of the Match? Yeah, sure. Well, I've got two written down. One of them's obviously Andrew Hoare for bombing that try. Yeah. But the guy I'm actually giving to, giving it to is my favourite player who's playing in this game, Jerry Collins. Uh, Because at one point, early in the second half, as the All Blacks are setting to do this kind of like back, kind of rap peel type move Mm. off a line out, Jerry Collins turns around and tells the Romanians their line out call. What? He points at, I think it's Chris Jack. By the way, superstar fullback Chris Jack. We, we did get <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, incredible counter attack at one point. We'll have to address that in a moment. But yes, he points at Chris Jack and says, "Yeah, he's going up," and he does. Romani then contest it. The ball then goes back down, and then Collins does this little run around move, and the All Blacks try and pass it to him as clearly as part of their plan. And Bogdan Balan gets an intercept off the back of it, and Romani <laughs> make a break because Jerry Collins just fucked around and told him the lineup calls, and I love that. That's such a Jerry Collins thing to do, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. It is completely on brand, on brand for Jerry Collins, one hundred percent. And it, it, I think it says a lot about the way that the All Blacks played this game that he was the captain, mm. and he would have just said, "Let just go out and just do whatever the fuck you like," because <laughs> that is that is the way he played, and that is why I think, like for us anyway, he's one of the last old school All Blacks. You know, like yeah. as an I'm going to try my best. I'm going to smash people. We're going to score some tries and everything, but I'm going to have a good time while yeah. I'm out here. And and that that's pretty cool. But like, so it is a funny, it is a funny bit, but at the same time, it's like, ah, uh, makes me kind of, you know, think about the old days of it and go like, yeah, that was a pretty cool time for the all Yeah. I miss Jerry and I miss, as I say, the like, I wish we had more Jerry Collinses yeah. in the game. No, uh, I wish we had one gen- Jerry Collins. You know. Genuine character. But- was Jerry Collins? Yeah, I was quickly quick quick moment by the way for that Chris Jack break from a lot uh, from fullback. What is like unbelievable counterattack by Chris Jack the second row? Like all time great, like burst through two tacklers. They're chasing up. Try that we yeah skated over. But... Darts around another, swerves the third, gives the pass. It's glorious, glorious. Eventually leads, as you say, to the Andrew Hall try. Excellent, excellent work. Right. Let's move on. Jamie, do you have a dick of the day? Yeah, I do. And it's one of those things that I deeply repressed in my memories, along <laughs> with a lot of other things in this thing. But the one thing that I remember not being able to fucking stand at all about this tournament was those goddamn brass bands that were playing. Like, <laughs> the whole thing. I, I, I get it. It's part of French culture and whatnot, but I hated it. It was like the... 
the Vuvuzelas at the at the football world yeah. cup later. Like it was so annoying. And um so yeah, I'm giving Dick of the Day to the band and Andrew Hall just because he's a munter. <laughs> <laughs> I can't justify mine, but it's Keith Robinson. I just got Dick of the Day energy <laughs> off him and I've got no reason for it. Just like it just felt right. Something just felt right about Keith Robinson, Dick of the Day. He is my Dick of the Day. And we move along to Man of the Match. Will, do you want to go? Sure. I mean, he's not going to get it, but Richie McCaw is incredible for the 15 minutes he plays. But if he was on the pitch for the other 65 minutes and didn't do a thing, I probably would have ended up giving him Man of the Match. Of just, <laughs> But I can't give a 15-minute cameo Man of the Match for a game yeah. like this. I think Joel Juch is really amongst it. I think uh, he has a great game refereeing for Romania and just giving the lads a hand and constantly coaching them on the way. JC is brilliant, as always. But for me, I think the two players who stand out most are Andy Ellis and Nick Evans. I think Nick Evans is really good when he moves into 10 later in the game. But I think I'm going to go with Andy Ellis. I think he has a Mm. hand in a lot of tries and uh, just controls the game really nicely. Jamie? I'm going to have to concur. I thought Andy Ellis was really, really good in this game. He's a guy who I remember as being a guy that would come off the bench at Mm. the end and just sort of close the game out and things like that. But to see him get a start and to really make the most of it, I I thought was really good. And it just goes to show that had his career not coincided with some other people's, then he he may well have been a, a real fixture in, in in the All Blacks, you know, like he he very much did look like a kind of precursor to what they ended up getting out of Aaron Smith. So yeah, yeah, yeah I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Andy Ellis. I can't really I'd, that's who I'd put down. It's kind of hard to pick a, a man of the match. I, you know, Jerry Collins is great mm. as well, just the way the reasons I just mentioned before about how he just instructed the side to play the way they did. But I think yeah, Andy's my Andy's my man of the match. I. I'm pretty much along the same lines. I was torn a bit between Jerry Collins and Andy Ellis. I was gonna if I'd picked first, I would have gone for Andy Ellis. Because you've both picked Andy Ellis, I'm gonna even things up and pick Jerry Collins because I can do that. It's the selection. Yeah, I think he was absolutely fantastic. The hand he had in allowing the Hawk Blackers to have fun and the style they played and the way he came out, instead of doing his big hit nonsense, it was all like, you know, fancy pop-ups and, you know, using that like deceptive pace he had. And, you know, Andy Ellis was fantastic for all the reasons you've mentioned. But yeah, I think the two of them were the best players in the park and I'm more than happy to split the vote. Love it. Oh, so Jamie, thank you for joining us. If people want more of this after the near two hours we've done where can people find you where can people find your stuff where will people be finding you as you continue being i assume incredibly busy over the coming weeks and months leading into this world cup coming up well you can find me in london in, <laughs> uh, next month if anyone up there wants to buy me a beer they can they can do that and obviously i'll be at the world cup just for the first game though it's just a long time to be away um, yeah, and so be interesting to see how the All Blacks go back in France because mm. this is the first, you know, nice bit of closing that loop there because that's back where they where they're going to. Very obviously talked about World Cup coming up, so I'll be up there for that game, and then I'll be covering the rest of it for RNZ down here in New Zealand, um, doing live updates on the games and also just pumping out as much content as possible. And you can follow that all on Twitter if Twitter still exists. X. I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, what the hell is that about? I've I've just kind of caught up with that now because I've muted pretty much everything that's not to do with rugby on my Twitter feed. Um, and so that's only just affecting me now. But yeah, uh, so I'm there at, at Jamie Wall Two, and I'm also on Instagram, which is a much more travel orientated um, 
experience um that's at jamie wall 22 so you can find me there and yeah and if you just have a look on the rnz website i'm on there most days on the on the sports page absolutely most wonderfully yeah worth doing obviously we're pals but uh, i'm also obviously a massive fan of what you do and i'm very excited to hopefully meet up with you again when you are yes and we're seeing if we can potentially get a game of touch in the works oh yeah i'm coming don't worry don't worry you're seeing me trust me i'm I'm coming up to um nottingham to hang out trust me i can't wait can't wait well we'll see jamie then will i'll see you uh tomorrow and listeners we will see you early next week because in order to get through the remainder of the games before this bloody world cup starts we're going to start doubling up and doing two episodes a week so we'll see you next week for australia against canada which we're gonna have to spend at least five hours of our life thinking about (laughs) thank you very much for listening thank you jamie once again thank you will as ever and thank you to all the little people that made the job worthwhile we'll see you all Not quite next week. Farewell. Richie McCaw's peaked.